Coming up, are you building a social network or a hyper local app? Well, today's guest shares how he was able to get viral growth by using an unknown variable reward. You'll also discover how to get more engagement from your push notifications, how to get your users to generate more content, and what you should not do when it comes to highlighting your sharing features. Stay tuned. The most action-packed content from the top mobile experts. This is the App Masters Podcast with Steve P. Young. See why Sony has increased their click-through rates by 5% and subscription by 10% since integrating Clever Tap. They've got analytics and engagement tools to really help grow your user base and subscribers. Check them out at clevertap.com. For just one low monthly price, you will discover our greatest growth hacks to driving massive downloads. You can learn more on appmastersacademy.com. What is up, App Nation? It is Steve P. Young, founder of AppMasters.com, the place you go when you want action-packed content in the app business. And today I've got a phenomenal guest who really found success building a hyper-local app, and we're going to talk all about it. But he is a growth practitioner, and I'm super excited to have him. I'm going to give him, let him tell you a little bit intro about himself. Let me introduce the guest. His name is Yegor Ivanov. He is the product manager of growth at Yodel. It is spelled J-O-D-E-L.com. You can check them out there or search for it in the app stores. And we're going to learn all about, learn more about the app right now. <laughs> Yegor, welcome to the show. Hey, Steve. Uh, hey, everyone. It's a pleasure. Uh, indeed, quite quite an intro over there. So uh, shall, I, shall I introduce myself for the yeah. app or what do you want me to start? Tell, tell us a little bit about yourself and then we'll get into a little bit about Yodel too. Cool. So I come from Latvia uh, in Eastern Europe originally. I'm based in Berlin now where Yodel is headquartered as well. Um, I started like a while back in uh, creative creative ad agency, which is kind of where my background in marketing is. Uh, later, I transitioned to digital marketing. So I, I started in Rocket Internet and uh, later um, moved over to Berlin where I worked um, as a head of CRM for 8Fit. So it's basically running um, email campaigns and uh, in-app messaging campaigns as well as push, basically driving both retention and uh, conversion to pro plan because basically 8Fit is a subscription service. And most recently, I'm part of the amazing Yodel team. We're uh, building hyper-local apps. So in, in some way, uh, it's easier to explain Yodel as a, sort of a Reddit in the moment and in the location. So it's it's not really something that you can scroll far uh, in the past, but rather an app that gives you a buzz of uh, the people around you. So that I guess makes the transition to the to the story about the app, right? Yeah. So we're we're, pri <laughs> we're primarily <laughs> Do you even sure, need me we're... here? <laughs> <laughs> Go uh, let me let maybe maybe give you a quick intro uh, of the app. It's basically the the, the functionality of the app supposes that you can post and read content in your locality. And at this point we're um, providing a platform 
for text posts to be po to be processed as well as images and we're currently testing the new format that is video that's crazy because what i love about this is it's hyper local like it is so hard to do so i want to talk about more of the early days because you know you like you said it's for the moment in a community which means you have to have a lot of moments and a lot of people looking at it a lot of people sharing a lot of people watching as well so what did you what did you guys focus on in the early days so now when the guys were starting um long before i joined yodel they were still closely attached to universities so actually it's uh, i i think the classic playbook example of uh focusing on a certain community first. So it was basically a university campus audience to begin with. And little by little, uh, it caught fire in one university, then they went to another and they would, they would do offline promotion. So the guys actually developed a playbook uh, during the process, having tested a bunch of different materials, whether it's a flyer or a sticker uh, or a party. Uh, we still have a bunch of swag that we sometimes send out to users that reach a certain level of karma. So that was basically the idea. They would go to one university after another and then close the uh, to, to another city close by and, and so on. Was it flyers that worked out the best? Was it going after fraternities, sororities? Like what was it in a university? Like how do you even start with the university? Actually printed materials. So it was it was a specific type of flyer, I think, that, that nailed it. And obviously, geo by geo that may vary but uh yeah then they ended up with a with a design that worked and the approach that worked and replicated uh this in a bunch of places in terms of how uh, there's 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 definitely a longer route where you get all the approvals and then there is also a shortcut usually so those are the options hey Diego, I, I was talking to somebody recently just yesterday about this and i was like look you know they, they had an app that they were building out and it was a very much a similar like concept in terms of being able to share with a given group like if i'm in town so let's say we're college buddies and if i'm in town i can send out to my inner circle that hey i'm in town like let's hang out type of thing right like i'm in town type of thing and just it's like a bat signal and i told them like i think with these type of apps there's no clear way to success but there is a clear path to failure and that is trying to go too big too fast what do you think about this well, I, I think it's sort of illustrative of the example of Yodel as well. We so, we somewhat see it in the community today where we have people way beyond the student age, but then the students still claim the territory. So every once in a while we have uh, an issue of one sort or another where the students are kind of mad that it's not the platform that it used to be, which is true and which is how we mean it. But at the same time, since there is not really a sign-up process, we, we don't take your email or phone number. Therefore, it's very easy to access as well. And hence this, um, with the, uh, with the anonymity comes certain, uh, certain level of engagement that users exhibit. They just feel like talking about a lot more topics than they would otherwise. And this is how it just became the student app. So they were talking about all kinds of stuff from classes or studies or complexity of a specific subject. So when I mentioned Reddit, earlier before. So we have something that's called channels, which are basically subreddits. Mm -hmm. So this is how it caught on. And if it was just for everyone at the same time, it would be kind of close to the situation that we have right now, minus all the activity of the students, which kind of wouldn't work because it, it's a common feed. Everybody's there. I see.
Now, when we were talking before, or we fell out a form, you said, I said, what's one strategy that's working for you today? You talked about like a little more retention centered. What does that mean? Mm, well, it, it, it also boils down to where we stand uh, as the company today and where we need to grow. So it's sort of growing in the existing larger markets, which means um, primarily Germany for us. So we're the, the way we go about it, like I mentioned to you before, uh, I'm not focusing on virality as much at this point in time because we are uh, focusing on bringing the app uh, to the state that it can drive more retention on its own. What I mean by that is um, we have a we have a range of features uh, or rather range of events and behaviors in the app that users exhibit that we know drive higher retention. So for us, in, in this case, growth through retention means building features and experiments that would try to drive users to do this action. For instance, there is a selection of um, a certain type of filtering uh, for the posts that are that makes your feed more interesting just by exposing you the most upvoted posts and driving users there and experiencing this early on in the funnel, for instance, may influence how they retain further. So that's growth for us. I got it. And then what are these three product squads? Um, the current, um, in, in the current OKR period, uh, we have three squads and two of them are mostly focused on building features. So features as in it can be an experiment, uh, an experiment as well. Uh, so two are equipped with more engineers than the third one. And the third one is, um, the way we put it, uh, sort of utilizes the frameworks and this, these, uh, features that the other two are building to experiment further on the content side, because it, it just goes back to the argument of hyperlocality and the fact that the content is different in each of the places. So whenever we roll something out, it's quite often uh, the case that we need to tailor the content. So if it's a selection of channels that we promote in one locality, it's not necessarily that the same uh, selection of channels will be interesting in another one. And how big are these squads when you talk about a squad? Five people and a bit. Okay. Something like that. Okay, cool. Not, so you not, not really big. We're, we're not a big company at this point yet. But you have three teams of five people kind of working on different features, relaying information back to each other and running different types of experiments. Yeah, correct. And we also try to streamline our goals over the OKR period for all three squads. And I mean, this, this is something that's experimental at this point. I know you're very you know product focused in terms of driving growth too. So when you come up with these ideas, how do you actually come up with these how do these ideas get sourced um we have a flow and the, the process around sourcing ideas from from the team mm. um because obviously some of the engineers we have some of the engineers that are actually power users and we're power users in the first place before getting hired so sometimes they come up with ideas and kind of bypass uh the whole flow it's a if it's a client engineer they sometimes just ship a little feature on the weekend which is obviously an outlier. Other than that, um, we have a BI team that's that provides insights. Uh, beyond that, uh, each of the product managers has some array of insights from the past experience. And then we get together as uh, as the leads of the three squads, and somebody that looks after the community, and then we discuss uh, the range of ideas. So it's basically it's, it's sourced from. Several people that touch product, plus the people that are outside of product, they also have access to the backlog through that. 
And so you kind of have, <clears throat> excuse me, different people coming from different sides. So one might be like a product, one might be BI, one might be design, and then coming at it and kind of figuring out, okay, which ideas should get selected to run that as an experiment? Because that's going to take some time too. The selection is mostly in the hands of, uh, in, in the hands of product people, because it probably wouldn't, wouldn't be possible to make a decision over 10 options with uh, 10 people in the room would at least be tricky. So we use a smaller uh, group of people, namely, namely product managers and the head of community who would score the ideas together and then present it further as a, as a short list of ideas that will go further. And what's the minimum setup for the product growth exper experimentation? Um, I guess it depends on which, which side of, which side of the app, whether you mean uh, a growth experiment that touches virality, the stack would be completely different. Uh, or do you mean in product experiment? Just in the product experiment. Let's talk with that first. And then the virality seems interesting to me too. Sure. Uh, well, you would you would have to have the experimentation fr framework in the backend first. So you would have to have some sort of a way to assign users to groups randomly. Uh, as well as the tracking software. So you, you would want to be able to expose the, the events that users generate in response to something that you did. Um, yeah, so I, I guess the, the minimum setup would be a team of engineers uh, tracking and the possibility to assign people or assign users into the groups. Are you guys using any type of tools to help with this testing? As far as the assignment goes, it's usually, as far as as far as I know, that's mostly homegrown grown type of things because the the data environment is also <clears throat> pretty different from from one app to another. Uh, as far as tracking goes, probably something that's most familiar to to many would be Amplitude. So this would be the type of tool that I'm talking about. We have something that we source from one of our investors. Actually, it's a it's a fund who also built their own software um for us the tracking the tracking stack is supplemented by the software that they're building which is also partially customized to our needs which is nice. which sometimes is uh is a pretty nice uh extra yeah Igor, let, let's talk about this so now you've experimented and then how does it figure out how do you guys figure out okay this experiment is successful let's make this a product feature all right well there's a bunch of things that go into the decision, but the product manager in charge of the feature would be looking at uh, the engagement data. So that's basically the output of that very uh, app tracking software. For instance, Amplitude could give you these insights. So you would basically look at the difference between um, the performance of the control and the treatment groups. Then further, um, you look at the statistical significance of your test. For us, uh, it's a, a piece of soft, uh, homegrown software that does it again. So in the end, what the software does is just looks at the IDs that were assigned uh, at, the, at the users uh, that were assigned into both groups and just checks for significance. It lifts on specific variables that we know to be important for, for this uh, experiment. So basically the variables that would be uh, driver for the KPI, something that you're looking to improve with this experiment. And no least importantly, actually, which is something that I'm picking up uh, since I joined Yodel, uh, is the 
the amount of user insights that we harvest. So after each feature rollout, we send out a survey. Survey. Luckily, we're in social, so actually there's a lot of eyeballs on the on the app daily, which means that we can source the a little bit of a quantitative data, a little bit of feedback from the users right after they they completed the experiment. So let's say it's been a week since it was launched, and then we're able to just put up a post with a link uh, and harvest some information, just the first-hand insight. It's obviously biased towards people that care more yeah. uh, to share. Um, there was one more data point. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll continue talking for now. Go for it. Uh, something that we also introduced in the flow of surveying people is just one extra question, and I even dare to include it uh, asking for people to speak uh, English to me because I don't really speak German uh, is asking for a phone number at the end of the that very survey and just calling users the next day and asking them how they felt about the feature, what they liked, and what they disliked. And although it's pretty time consuming to to schedule and try to catch users uh, in their daily life, that's actually proving to be quite a strong source of insight quite often. Yeah, I love that. And you can really dig deep, right? Like, it's just not like, hey, I like this feature. No, like, why? What made you do that? Are there certain questions that you're asking them to get them to really tell the things that you're looking for? Well, it's dependent on the feature, right? So it, it, it really depends on whether it was something that was in their face or something behind the scenes. So you will try to fish out the right answer by not asking an obvious question because that it's already a biased panel you have there because it's people who cared that answered. So to provide them the answers that you want would be kind of a waste of time in this case. But uh, letting them speak, letting them walk through their normal flow. For instance, you, you you test something on the uh, their posting flow. If they can just walk you through the experience and name the pain points if they have any, which they don't have to know that it's a pain point. They'll just flag something that's really annoying. That's that's a very valuable source of insight for us. Now, Yegor, what I want to get to next is you started out with the college campuses and you built that and went to each different campuses. Now, as the app has matured, you got thousands of reviews on the app store. You found success in these markets. How do you go about like going after targeting, or I wanted to say infiltrating, but infiltrating another market? So now let's say the US, like, do you guys think about it from a city level, from a college level? How do you think about approaching the US now? Um, it's, it's also something that is done in, with the same grassroots grassroots approach that we've been applying here before uh, in Germany at the start. Um, so far, we've only been trying to launch uh, a city or two in the U.S. because it's uh, it just opens a whole a whole different chapter of um, let's say effort. It almost needs a, a standalone team, which is not something that we're really focusing on at this point. Like I mentioned before, we're trying to grow in our existing market. So the short answer is we would go the same way, but we're not really actively going into any new markets at this point. I see. And then you would go it the same way, meaning like college campuses, flyers, that yeah. type of thing? Okay. So nothing digital. Uh, we usually supplement uh, the offline growth with a little bit of uh, digital campaigns but it's really not a driver. And the reason for that is something that you mentioned uh, early on as well, is just because you need the critical mass around a certain dot on the on the planet, so to say. And you can achieve it with paid, but it's pretty expensive because the users also have to be uh, 
there at the same time to actually be present like while the community is getting formed or else it's again not really interesting yeah the let's go i want to go back a little bit into your eight fit days and kind of what you mentioned about using push and email and trying to really get more subscribers and conversions do you remember a campaign that really worked well for you back in the day well um as far as push goes i will i will probably just uh, have to repeat what's been written a million times about personalization um we we didn't really experiment that much with push during my um, tenure at uh, AFIT, but the improvements that we made, the most significant improvements were actually by just inclusion of name. Sometimes, weirdly enough, name and surname works better than just name. Oh, wow. um, and just going after highest volume com- uh, type of campaigns. So it's, it's again, uh, goes back to prioritization. So wherever you have most leverage, even a tiny, teeny improvement without, <clears throat> sorry, without anything really fancy can make a pretty big improvement. Um, besides that, what else? Uh, what do you mean like nothing really fancy? Like, what do you mean by that? Nothing really fancy as in not, not really building a whole lot of data engineering to make the push stand out with amazing visual and something um, I don't know, a bunch of, a bunch of backend data to, uh, provide the numbers about their engaged previous engagement in the app. So something that requires a bit more engineering, uh, while adding a name is usually something that you can do with liquid tags and uh, off you go. So if there's something, there is something that you can do on the basic level of, uh, personalization, whether it's just, uh, kind of playing to, um, human ego, maybe just, just mentioning the name is sort of uh, a trigger of that kind or whether it's providing con- a useful context. Sometimes personalization means mentioning the previous conversion and what it was and how they, this new message plays out together with that conversion. I like that. I like that. The, I forgot what I wanted to follow up with you on that. Oh, have you guys ever tested like emojis or type of things? Yeah, it's it's really it's really generally speaking it, it's an improvement, but it depends on the product. So for in fitness industry, I think it's something that you can easily use and you will probably appear more relevant. Uh, there were there were cases where um, the subject lines in the email without the emoji would get higher opens. So I can't I can't really vouch to the to this mm-hmm. argument that is also written a lot over the internet that it's emoji <laughs> is improving. It's, it really depends on the case. If you're delivering sad news, maybe emoji is not right. But in general, sure, it's something people expect. Anything from email? I noticed that Hotel Tonight would do this. I, I thought it was like almost immediate, but I would favorite a hotel inside the app. And I literally got an email like five minutes right after like, hey, Steve, are you still considering staying at X, Y, and Z hotel? Like you can book now and still save. And I was like, whoa, this is cool. Hmm. That sounds, uh, sounds like a pretty aggressive flow, but it, it could be working. Uh, in terms of email, I think what what you can do is just stay relevant instead of just sending a drip campaign that has not been changed in a while. Mm. So that's that's something very common in CRM, I think. Uh, since since it's a big thing to change, so if you have an email series of ten emails, 
uh, revamping the whole series is quite a bit of effort. So as far as CRM goes, especially uh, email, it's really the private space of the user. So they don't really feel like sharing it in the end if it's something, uh, if it's just a book broken down by chapter that you're sending without any relationship to the activity. So at least the, the, the little wins that you can make in the drip campaign by not changing it much is, is, is providing, like is changing the context based on the user activity. So a simple expression of that would be sending in a checklist uh, of the onboarding if the onboarding was not completed. And then in the next uh, email, making the, making the points that were completed checked already. Which is also you can something you can do by working a little bit with the server side and feeding the events back. So in this case, that would be personalized that, and at the same time, um, maybe improving the relevance of that very email that would be otherwise just a series of like chapters of of a book, so to say. Yeah, I like that. I like I like what you said because sometimes I'm on these email drips and I'm just like, for what? Like, what is this for? Like, there's no context to what this is doing, but kind of like what you said about the push notifications. Hey, if you just mentioned the latest activity that you just took within the app, like that's going to gauge me a lot more either if through email or push notifications, like way more engaging than just, you know, a, a normal, a normal trip campaign. Yeah. Yeah. Agree with you. Anything you want to cover that I missed before I hit the big finish? Um, you mean in terms of, are we going through the list? No, I mean, anything I missed that you're like, hey, we should have talked about this, but you didn't mention this at all. Mm, perhaps virality per se, because uh, you, you've asked about the acquisition and we kind of don't really do any paid, but we do acquire users. So that's basically to go back to Yodel and touch upon virality briefly. If sure, you wish. let's do it. You still there? Yeah. All right. Did did you not have? Hey, let me see if I left you a note. Um, you don't have a question for this, right? No. I mean, let's just talk about virality. What What do you want to talk about? Okay. Cool. I think I'm disrupting your podcast. <laughs> I thought no, you're, you're not. You're cutting. You're, you're cutting that part. Cool. So oh, I made a note. Okay. So <laughs> I'm probably gonna leave all this in, but just those who are listening, I'm just making an edit point note. In case we want to take this out, but I'm I'm just more like, hey, let's have this free conversation. Yeah, if you want to talk about virality, tell, talk to me about what you want to talk about with, in terms of virality. All right, cool. So for us, the acquisition is uh, is basically in user hand, is user hand, uh, users hands. Mm -hmm. So one way um, the users invite the other user is by pure word of mouth, which is the absolute majority of the installs we're getting. So somebody just telling another person about Yodel and that's how the download goes. Uh, that's obviously the product of the communities and the content that they are generating. So this wouldn't be possible without the active communities and let's say the city next to uh, the city that is growing right now. Uh, but what we can do is we can still leverage the viral loops that exist in the app. So one thing is referral, referral that we reward with the karma. So karma is a bit of an internal currency. Um, and the, the invite is something that, uh, I was trying to game a little bit, uh, in the recent past. So there was an experiment of assigning, um, an unknown amount of karma instead of a fixed 2000. And this actually worked to improve the amount of people that would invite other users. 
um, the reason the reason why random amount is something that uh, that I picked up. I, I think it was I think it was in in the hooked model um, that providing a, a variable reward would motivate a person uh, or actually an animal in some of the tests that uh, were, were done uh, in the past uh, would motivate the actor to to do something more often because they don't know what the prize will be. So basically uh, changing the amount of karma from a finite amount to a variable amount actually provided uh, a lot more uh, invites in the end and also drove more installs, which is which is kind of a, a silly experiment in itself. And it's also not something we can do in each of our markets because this sounds like gambling a little bit, although nobody you know gets to pay for the lottery, lottery yeah. ticket. But that was one of the experiments that we ran. I like that. I like that, man. See, that's why I asked this question at the end, because you never know what I missed and then what you want to talk about a campaign that obviously worked. Anything else along that line with Viarly? The, sure. The, the second lever for us is the user-generated content itself. So whenever some users obviously just take a screenshot and send it over WhatsApp, uh, where we're trying to capture the screenshot and instead invite them to share with a link, doesn't doesn't quite work uh, that well at all times. Some people prefer the native sharing, and then in the end, it's uh, in the end the, the learning with the with the viral loop specifically is uh, definitely not to abuse motivation to share and invite because this quickly becomes quite old. So that's something that uh, users once uh, basically told me after I was trying to draw their attention pretty actively by just nudging to the share button. So I heard the user feedback right away. Uh, we, we pulled the user reviews from uh, from the app to Slack, and I heard back what the users thought about this nice feature very quickly, and no, they didn't like it at all. But in the end of the day, um, creating, creating more incentives for people to share uh, outside of the app actually does move the needle. Um, and more users share content by the ways that you provide. Something to be mindful of there is that this way of sharing content that you're providing the user has to be really much more convenient than their natural flow. So it's it's kind of a no-brainer, but I think so many of the sharing mechanisms uh, in the apps are just neglecting the fact that it has to be a winner. It has to be a better tool to share so that the users actually enjoy doing it and do it whenever they feel like sharing stuff, or else they will just resort to, I don't know, taking screenshots and sending it over WhatsApp directly. I see. What and what kind of karma is it? Just uh, using the unknown variable reward again to get them to try to share a little bit more? Um, no, I, I, I'm not sure. I think I think you're mixing uh the two experiments here or i may have been misleading so one is uh, karma is not related to the user generated content really well so the user generated well let me rephrase yegor because what you said what what i believe you said was hey you know we did notice that if you give them rewards or you give them something for sharing that content you said they don't like it if you just ask them all the time which i agree i don't like it all the time either and then like but if you do provide them with something for sharing that they, they generally will do it more. Uh, in case of sharing, it was actually, it was not, not actually rewarded by karma in a, by any means. I was just nudging the user to uh, tap the button by having a 
little pulsating dot next to the feature. I see. Kind of assuming that some of the some of the users would not know uh, how to share, and this is exactly the feedback that uh, I received. Also, including some swear swear words on top of the actual message that the user is meant to leave. So that that's what I meant by not really abusing it, because they will tell you that if there is enough users on the platform, they will quickly tell you that hey, I actually know how to share, and you don't have to. So in the end, I just uh, changed the density of this of of the campaign down, and now only the new users get this dot, and hopefully they learn how to share from the dot. Ah, uh, got it, got it, got it, got it. Cool. Yeah, this is awesome, man. Is there anything else that you want to hit on? I think we've covered it all now. Yeah, I love it, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing this. But before we hit the big finish, clevertap.com, I do want to spon- I do want to thank my sponsor clevertap.com for now look guys, you talked Jaeger talked a lot about retention, a lot about personalizing push notifications, utilizing email as well during his 8 fit days. And that's what clevertap.com will allow you to do. They have the mobile marketing platform that will give you the analytics, the segmentation, and the marketing tools to help you retain your users. And one of the things you can do is if you want to try this little emoji trick in your push notifications, you can do that using Clevertap. If you want to personalize it using the first and last name, Jaeger said it works way better sometimes than just using the first name. You want to test that out, you can use clevertap.com. They're going to give you all the tools that you need to really help you get your users back into the app. And if you want to tell, send an email when they have sort of quote unquote uninstalled, Clevertap knows when a user potentially has uninstalled your app, well, you can shoot them an email like that and kind of say kind of what Jaeger said is like you want to put your phone number in so that we can call you why you uninstalled and kind of figure that out and companies that have used this feature have reduced their uninstall rate by 15 25 percent there's a case study on the website if you guys want to check it out but really great tool it is once again clevertap.com let them know you heard it on this podcast and so I can get some karma as well it is once again clevertap.com Jaeger this has been absolutely amazing but let's go to the big finish Give us one app we definitely have to check out. Actually, the one you asked before uh, got an update. Um, it's it's a language learning app that I discovered a few days before that I would like to tell you about. Sure. Uh, it's called Chatterbug. And this is, I've been using another language learning app before, and it actually got me some knowledge. So within one month or so, I picked up a little bit of Spanish that I could use. But this Chatterbug thing, is just insane. The onboarding is really quick, and you get to your class, your first class, uh, maybe faster than Duolingo. That is, that is, you know, has been broken down in terms of onboarding many times. Mm-hmm. So, I think this one is really cool. Then the amount of languages you can learn is kind of limited, but I, on the product side of things, great effort. Ooh, I like it. Chatterbug, bug. I'm gonna download the Correct. app right now. Great. Awesome. This is why I like asking this question. All right. What's a lesson that took you the longest to learn? The lesson. Um, well, it's, it's, it's always about this balance of, you know, how much you put in the front and how much you'll have to do later. So I think that, that goes, that goes along the preparation of the experiment to a large extent. So if, if something is not defined early on uh, in the experiment, and then you have this something that maybe I would call a test creep that you want to test this and that more uh, and a bunch of other things, then in CRM, you will just 
for, for instance, taking CRM as an example, you'll end up with a tremendous amount of campaigns. So if you want to test for gender differences, for instance, that just breaks down your campaign count, uh, just doubles your campaign count. And then if you also want to test for any other differences your users may have, then it's double again. So if, if it's not defined upfront in the spec, uh, what you want to experiment on and what is it that you're looking to learn, and in the end, it's just going to be a nightmare and will take forever longer to untangle all this complexity that went into the test. So I'd say more investment up front, uh, most of the time really it pays off. Yeah, love it. The app, the website is called yodel.com. It's J-O-D-E-L. It is linked up in your favorite podcast app right now. So go check out the app and Yegor, if the audience wants to follow up with you and say thank you for coming on, where should it, what do you want to send them? Um, my Twitter, perhaps. Okay. Uh, my handle is at I-V-A-N-O-V-L-V. So Ivanov-L-V. Well, that Yeager's name, if you click, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, if you click on that, will go straight to his Twitter profile as well. Yeager, thank you so much for coming on and doing this. Cheers. It was a pleasure. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you at the next chat. Thanks for listening to the App Masters podcast. For show notes and amazing app marketing content, check out appmasters.co.